good morning, everybody. How are we doing this morning? It's good to see you. My name is Clark Jeanette, and I help lead our young adult uh, college-age ministry called New Perspective, and I also help uh, lead and oversee our life groups with Pastor Tony. And uh, I'm so glad to be here with you this morning. Hope you guys are having a good weekend so far. Uh, We've been in a series called Grow, as Tony mentioned earlier, and uh, throughout this series, what we've basically been saying is that God desires for us to spiritually grow. And uh, if, if you're just now jumping in with us, uh, you can actually get caught up through uh, subscribing to our podcast, or you could go to our website at medinaeast.graceohio.org, and you can get all of our online messages that way. But we're going to be uh, picking back up today. We're in, uh, actually in week number four today. And uh, for those of you that are just now jumping in, again, let me just kind of uh, give us a quick recap of what we've been talking about the past couple weeks. Uh, basically, in week one, it was an introduction, and we said uh, God's desire is for us to grow spiritually. And we said for many people, what ends up happening when a person comes to know Jesus, accepting uh, the story of Jesus, the gospel, into their heart, um, a lot of times that ends up being the summation of their Christian walk uh, with Jesus. And so we said that that's actually, uh, the Bible would tell us that that's actually not the stopping point for our spiritual growth, but by way of contrast, that's the starting point of spiritual growth. So in week number one, we just said, you know, God's desire is for us to grow spiritually. And so in, in week number two, we kind of uh, unpacked that a little bit more, and we talked about uh, the seed of spiritual growth. And I don't know if you guys remember Uh, what we said, but we said the seed of spiritual growth is actually the gospel, the story of Jesus Christ. We said, uh, quoted a few different people. We said the gospel is not the ABCs, it's the A through Z. We said the gospel is not the diving board, it's actually the pool. And we said the gospel is is really what we're all about. Uh, The the Bible is really all about the gospel. Uh, Grace Church, Medina East, we're all about knowing, living, and giving away the gospel. And so we said the seed of spiritual growth is the story of Jesus. And so that was uh, week two. Last week, uh, we talked about uh, this idea of uh, spiritual growth, once again, uh, specifically as it relates to this idea of, uh, if you're a parent, you'll understand this uh, more, but we talked about this idea, Tony mentioned this, arrested development. So for many parents, one of the most devastating things that could happen as a parent is if your kid has arrested development. So they're getting older, but they're not maturing. And so we talked a lot about uh, the, this idea of, of when you come to know uh, Jesus and you place your faith in him, uh, spiritually, this ends up kind of uh, working the same way. And so the, the older we get, you know, uh, we should be maturing uh, in our walk with the Lord Jesus. And so uh, we threw a graph up, up on the screen last week, and I'll uh, throw it up there again. We call this disciple-making pathway. And uh, basically, you know, nothing in life fits this neatly into boxes. We understand that. But this is kind of uh, helpful for us. It's kind of a tool to see, like, a word picture of kind of how spiritual growth uh, shows up in Scripture. And so let me just kind of quickly walk us through this uh, once again. Uh, we said that this, this uh, gray person over here is a person that represents somebody who is distant from God. So it's somebody that maybe uh, they're investigating Jesus. They're not really sure what they think about uh, Scripture, what they think about uh, the gospel, what they think about the Bible and stuff of that nature. And moving uh, to our next uh, stage, we call this uh, a person comes to know uh, a Jesus. So they come to the cross and they accept Jesus Christ as Lord, as Savior. And we call this next stage here uh, the uh, infant stage. And uh, this is where a person sees themselves as receptive to the things of God, and they would view Jesus as Lord, as Savior. 
In the next uh, stage, we see uh, moving from the infancy stage to the childhood stage. And I I just want to pause here real quick just to mention you'll notice that there's plus signs in between uh, those stages. And the reason why there's plus signs is because we we believe, the Bible would tell us, that a person, uh, it's not that you go from this infancy stage to to the childhood stage and you stop viewing Jesus as Savior and you stop viewing yourself as receptive. It's that you additionally view yourself as receptive, but also a student. And you see Jesus not only as Savior, but you would additionally expand in your view of God and see him also as teacher as well. And so that's kind of where we're headed today. We're moving down this uh, spiritual growth spectrum. And um, today we're going to be talking about this idea of moving from the uh, childhood infancy stage, uh, or the, the infancy stage to the childhood stage today. So that's where we're going today. And uh, that's kind of a tool that's helpful for us to kind of see how our view of Jesus and our spiritual uh, growth should expand uh, over time. Uh, today we're going to be going to uh, Colossians chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles, go with me to Colossians 1. It's on page one, uh, 821 in these black Bibles that are in uh, the chairs you're sitting in. And uh, we always say, if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and take one of ours. Uh, we'd love to make that a gift from us to you. And that's just our way of, of saying uh, thanks for being here. Really glad that you're here today. And if you're more of a uh, digital person, you can uh, use your, uh, your iPhone, tablet, whatever you use. Go to the App Store Search Grace Ohio, and you can download the Grace Church app, and you get get to uh, today's passage of study that way as well. So uh, Colossians chapter 1, that's where we're going to be camping out today. Uh, Before we uh, begin our conversation, I just want to pray for us, just ask God to lead us and guide us. So let me pray for us. Well, Heavenly Father, I just want to say thank you. Uh, Lord, thank you for every person in this room here today. God, uh, thank you for the book of Colossians, and thank you for your word, and uh, Lord, I ask that uh, for the people that are here investigating you here this morning, God, I pray that you would just give me uh, clarity of words uh, for them, God, to help in their understanding of uh, spiritual growth, and for those of us that are here that would claim to be followers of Christ, Lord, I ask that you would help us to be open to the possibility that you want to work things in us and out of us, God, in order to help conform us uh, to the image of your son, Jesus, Lord. So I ask that you'd lead us and guide us in our time here together. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me, let me just see by a show of hands, how many of you are a fan of basketball? Any basketball fans in here today? All right. I love basketball as well. Um, just recently, I heard a pretty awesome story. It was... Uh, it was a story about a pretty famous uh, NBA player, and you might be uh, familiar uh, with this guy. His name's Wilt Chamberlain. I'll throw a, a picture of him up on the screen. So uh, Wilt Chamberlain, this is a, a very, very famous person in the NBA, and uh, this guy was very famous for one particular game that took place on a cold, rainy night in Hershey, Pennsylvania. It was March 2nd, 1962, and this was a game. It was the Philadelphia Warriors versus the uh, New York Knicks, and Wilt Chamberlain was kind of like the star of the game, and this was a game that he scored 100 points in this game. Pretty impressive, whether you're into sports or not. I mean, 100 points in a game, that's, that's amazing. Uh, one of the things that was particularly fascinating about this game was Wilt Chamberlain made uh, 28 out of 32 of his free throws. So I don't know if you know anything about basketball, but that's where you just, you're, you're, you're at the foul line. Someone fouls you. They stop the game, and they walk up to the foul line and shoot the, 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 the shot. Nobody's guarding you or anything like that. 
But Wilt Chamberlain, he had uh, hit 28 out of 32 of his foul line uh, free throws. And what's impressive about that is the way that he shot the ball that particular uh, night in Hershey, PA. Uh, before that night, uh, prior to that, that game, and uh, the way he would shoot his, his foul shots, he would, he would shoot it overhand. But this night, he shoots it underhand. And he makes 28 out of 32. And the reason why that's important to know uh, is because everybody else in the NBA kind of made fun of him for it, honestly. Uh, they uh, kind of dubbed it, gave it the name the granny shot. And so they kind of made fun of the way that Wilt Chamberlain uh, shot the basketball. Um, and eventually, here's what happened. Here's what else is, is important to know about this. Uh, eventually, he stopped shooting the ball that way. He stopped shooting the ball that way, and what inevitably happened is that Wilt Chamberlain's, uh, his percentage average of his foul shots uh, went back down. And uh, it was because people in the, the other players in the NBA thought it was foolish to shoot the ball that way. And Wilt Chamberlain even said in interviews that he felt silly, felt, he felt foolish shooting the basketball uh, that way. There was another... Uh, person in the NBA, uh, Wilt Chamberlain's contemporary. This guy's name is Rick Barry, and uh, you may uh, be familiar with this guy, but he actually uh, shot the ball underhand as well. And in an interview with Rick Barry, uh, they're talking to him, and he was saying, like, from a physics standpoint, it's actually easier for, like, a bigger person to shoot the ball underhand in the granny shot way. Uh, and he said it's, it's, it's easier because for bigger players, their arms are just so big and there's just so much power. And so if you think about it, you don't walk around like this. You walk around with your arms like this. So it ends up being a little bit easier of a shot. Rick Barry says that when he was just in junior high, his dad had a conversation with him. And he said, son, your, your, your foul shot is pretty good, but I think it could be better if you shot underhand, if you shot it this way. And so Rick Barry said that he told his dad... Well, Dad, if I shoot the ball that way, everybody's going to make fun of me. And then here's what I don't want you to miss. Rick Barry's dad told him, son, they're not going to make fun of you if you make it. And so there was a game. Rick Barry shot the ball underhand from the foul line. And, and uh, the first time he tried it was this game in New Jersey. He shot the ball from the, free line, the, the, the foul shot. He shot it underhand, and he sunk the shot. He made the shot. Somebody from the crowd shouted out, Rick Barry, you big sissy. There was a guy next to this guy in the crowd, and he, and he spoke to this man, and he said, what are you making fun of him for? He makes it. So the reason I share that with you this morning is because church involvement is a lot like a granny shot. People look at church involvement, and they wonder, why do you shoot the ball that way, so to speak? Why do you live your life this way? You see, church involvement from a worldly point of view to a watching world, church involvement can look foolish. Church involvement may not make sense. It hardly ever makes sense to a watching world. But in that same breath, church involvement hardly ever misses. Because to the Christian, a lot of people would look at your life. If you are a follower of Jesus, maybe you have a lot of friends and a lot of family and maybe your coworkers. They might look at you and they might wonder, they might ask you, why do you shoot the ball that way? Maybe they don't say that, but they say, why do you live the way that you do? Why do you use your time and your energy and your resources the way that you do? Why do you help set up for those church events? Why do you do those local and global missions? Why do you shoot the ball the way you do? Why do you do that? It looks so foolish. But, but the Christian knows something that, 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 that they don't. And it's that through the eyes of the world, 
church involvement can look a lot like a granny shot. It looks kind of foolish. But I would submit to you that, that church involvement is like the granny shot that never misses. Because through the eyes of God, the church is the most powerful force on the face of the earth. Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, chapter 16, Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell, not even the gates of hell, can stand against the church. And so, again, church involvement is a lot like a granny shot that never misses. And it looks pretty foolish through, through the eyes of some people, but through the eyes of God, I'm telling you, man, the church is this unstoppable force. And Jesus said, I am going to build my church, and not even the gates of hell are going to stand against that. And so I would submit to you that sitting in a Sunday morning service can't make you an active church member any more than Wilt Chamberlain standing on the foul line shooting overhand can make him a better free thrower. It's all about how you shoot the shot. What makes that shot go in? What makes a pure foul shot, so to speak? I love the way the Apostle Paul puts it to his letter to the Corinthian church. He says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so again, to a watching world, it might look foolish. It might look a lot like a granny shot. But through the eyes of God, it is the most powerful force on the face of the earth. And so I know for me, myself, when I first came to know Jesus, the church had a radical effect on my life. I mean, if you were to double-click on my life and see me when I first came to know Jesus, you would see, I mean, I was messed up, man. I'm still messed up. But I was messed up. I mean, I made poor choices in life. I made bad decisions in life. And, you know, church involvement for me, I, I cannot even begin to tell you. And my guess is, if, if I wish we had the time to, to, to ask so many people what church involvement has done for them. But I, I know for me personally, I didn't really know what church involvement looked like. I thought it was just hugs and muffins. And I didn't really know what it was going to be like, quite frankly. But, you know, I, I began to serve in ministries. And I began to get, you know, rooted in biblical community. And I began to open up and be real with people. And they began to open up and be real back to me. And I learned about the grace of God. And I learned about the truth of God. And it helped me grow. I came to know that church involvement uh, became the primary catalyst of, of, of growth for me, spiritually speaking. And, and, I, and I want that for you. And I, I believe God wants that for you as well. And so some of us, we can identify with this. Maybe for you, you have friends, you have family members or coworkers that wonder why you shoot the ball the way you do, why you live life the way that you do. And God would look at us and he, was, he would tell us, if you're a follower of Jesus, that, that you have a place in the church and you have a role, a vital role to play in the church. And so this is, this is good news. And if you're just investigating Jesus, if you're somebody you're not really sure what you think about um, the church, then I, would, I just encourage you to, maybe you won't walk away believing it. I would, my prayer is that you would believe it, but my hope is that you would at least walk away understanding it a little bit more. And so today, um, if you are finding yourself uh, stagnated in your spiritual growth, if you're finding yourself stunted in your relationship with Christ, my hope is that we could kind of uh, put some more wind in your sails today and talk about why the church is so important. Why is church involvement? What, what do we forfeit 
we're, what do we lack if we don't involve ourselves in the church? And so that's kind of where we're going a little bit today. So uh, the good news is we are not left unaccompanied in this, uh, this church that was uh, Paul wrote, uh, wrote to a long time ago. Um, he's talking to them about church involvement. This letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, he's writing to a church that he's never even met before. Uh, his co-worker in ministry, his name was Epaphras, uh, he, uh, scholars believe that he planted this church. And Paul is writing to them and he's talking to them specifically about spiritual growth and uh, their church involvement, the importance of the church and, and what he's done for the sake of the church. So if you would, uh, please break in with me at verse 24 and let's uh, jumpstart our conversation together. Verse 24, here's what Paul says. He says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Let me just pause there real quick. I want you to notice a couple things right there in verse 24. The first thing is this, that the church is referred to as a body. And we'll talk more about that. Uh, The second thing I want you to notice is where Paul says that I am suffering for you. Notice how he talks about this idea of, of suffering, what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. The Bible gives us a really vivid picture of this type of suffering that Paul went through. And you don't have to go there. Let me just read it to you real quick. We see uh, an account of this suffering taking place in one of the letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. And here's kind of the picture that the Bible gives us of the suffering that Paul endured. It says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, in danger from false believers. And watch what he says next. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the, what's the word? Say it with me. Churches. The Apostle Paul, and just imagine this guy. Imagine Paul. He, all, all, all that he went through for Jesus' church. Uh, imagine this guy uh, getting pelted with rocks thrown at him, getting beaten with wooden rods. I mean, being rejected by all these different people groups. I mean, going, being hungry, being thirsty, going without any, any food, any water. I mean, you would have looked at this guy. I mean, you would imagine all the scars, all the cuts, all the scabs, all the bruises, covering his body, scrawny from not eating. And you look at this guy, and he suffered, and he endured all this. Why? For the church. The church wasn't just the Sunday morning service to Paul. It wasn't just hugs and muffins to Paul. Paul says the church is worth dying for. And he gave his life, he gave his whole life to make it a ministry for the sake of the church. Watch what happens next in verse 25 in Colossians. Verse 25, it picks back up. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. 
the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations is, uh, but, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. This mystery that Paul refers to, he's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the good news that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, and now this mystery is disclosed. This mystery that God had hidden, it lay hidden on the pages of Old Testament scripture, and now it's revealed to everybody. And Paul is enduring all of this suffering to get this good news out. Verse 27, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, that's the non-Jewish people, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Now catch this. So that we may present everyone, not just ministry leaders, not just pastors, but everyone fully mature, and some of your translations render complete, mature or complete in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all energy. Christ so powerfully works in me. So the Apostle Paul, again, he's this guy who is dedicating his entire life for the sake of presenting people mature in the church. I mean, he, imagine, again, he's, he's been beaten with rods, he's gone through starvation, he's, he's been shipwrecked, he's got all this anxiety and concern, all for the sake of Jesus' church. I mean, this radically affected him. And so when we look at a passage like this, what do we do with a message like this? When we're confronted with a passage like this in Scripture, I know for me, guys, when I came to know Jesus, you know, my church involvement didn't look like getting pelted with stones. It didn't look like getting beaten with wooden rods. It didn't look like going without food, going without anything to drink, you know, I mean, I can account for maybe the concern and the anxiety, but I've never went through an inkling of what Paul went through. But, you know, we, we do have our afflictions, though. And, and maybe, maybe for some of us in this room here today, maybe there's people in your life, maybe, maybe they look at your church involvement like it's foolish. And it looks a lot like a granny shot. But I would submit to you that church involvement is a lot like the granny shot that never misses. And the reason why we do biblical community, the reason why we get plugged into a life group, the reason why you do the, serve in a ministry, the reason why you do local and global missions is because the church is the hope of the world. The Bible tells us that, that, that not even the gates of hell can stand against the church. That's why we do the things that we do, and not everybody understands that. I would not be the man that I am today had it not been for the local church, specifically Grace Church. And, and I know I sound biased because I'm on staff, but I, I'm honest with you guys. I mean, I wouldn't be, I don't know where, I don't want to think about it, honestly, where I'd be without the church. And I want that for you, and God wants that for you as well. And so maybe for some of us this morning, maybe we're plugged into biblical community. Maybe for some of us, we're kind of the church ninja, kind of slip into service enjoy the service, and slip out, you know, as soon as the band starts playing. And, you know, can I just say, we are impressed with your ninja skills. It is very impressive. But can I just say this, that we would love for you to stick around. We really would. And not just so that we can, like, you know, it's not about Grace Church. It's Jesus Church. I mean, 
if you think about it, it's really Jesus' church. And so we want that for you. We want to, to see you get plugged into a life group so that you can open up and be real with people and so that you can learn uh, to, to navigate through life, learning the, the grace of God and the truth about God. And, and we know that from experience, I mean, there's so many people. I mean, I look around this room and, I, and there's so many people I know, story after story after story after story, where people have, have found themselves wounded and redeemed by God and restored and made whole again because of the brothers and sisters within that body of Christ. And I wish we had the time to just go around with a microphone and listen to all that. Unfortunately, we don't. But I, I just know. The reason I know that is because I've talked to some of you. And for some of you, you, you go to life group, and, and, and that, is, that is like what holds you together, right? I mean, that's, for some of us, I mean, without that, we would forfeit and we would relinquish, I mean, a, a, a serious opportunity to grow in Jesus Christ. Uh, the reason why uh, the, the, the church is, there's so many different metaphors for the church in the Bible. Sometimes it's referenced as the bride of Christ. Like in Ephesians 5, it talks about how Jesus laid his life down. He died for the church. Sometimes it talks about the church as like a field of crops, like ready for harvest to grow. Uh, today I want to mention uh, how the church is mentioned like a body, and I want to share, it's in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, and this is so key. Paul, Paul says to the Corinthian church, he's writing, and he says this, But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, he's talking about the church, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. You see, God looks at me and he looks at you. He looks at all of us who had placed their faith in Jesus. And he says, I have a place for you in the body of Christ. I have a place for you and I have an opportunity for you to build up the body of Christ. And everyone who puts their faith in Jesus has a spiritual gift. For some of you, it's administrative. For some of you, maybe you're an IT person. For some of you, maybe, maybe you have gifts. You're musically talented. Maybe for some of you, you have other gifts of teaching or of preaching or something. I don't know what it is, but you all have a gift. And God tells us that, that you have a place and you have a role. and You have an opportunity to build up Jesus' church. And that's really exciting stuff. You get to be a part of that, God says. And so if you're here today and you are finding yourself to be kind of stagnated or stunted in your relationship with Christ, ask yourself this question like, am I plugged into biblical community? It, it's, it wouldn't be that hard today to go into our cafe and to grab one of those cards off of that wall and to email somebody and say, hey, uh, what's your address? I'm thinking about coming to check out your life group. It wouldn't be that hard. And if you did that, I, I really think that you would find yourself to, to be surprised of, of how much healing you would find from doing that and how much growth you would experience because of that and, and how the body of Christ is very complex. There's, there's love-building relationships. There's disciple-making. There is so much that takes place. There's prayer. There's study of Scripture. There's so much. And I would just encourage you to, to maybe just don't bite off more than you can chew, but, but do something to, to kind of head in that direction and kind of challenge yourself a little bit to get more involved in the church. 
we all have this opportunity to do this together, and uh, we don't have to forfeit, we don't have to relinquish what God, what Jesus died for, the church. Church is the hope of the world. And maybe to a watching world that might look like foolishness, that might look a lot like a granny shot, but again, I would submit to you that it's the granny shot that never misses. And it's the foul shot, it's, it's the purest foul shot that we can make, so to speak. And that when we pursue church involvement in that way, you got to buckle up because it's going to be a wild, awesome ride. What God is going to do in you and through you and through the body of Christ, through the local church. If you forget everything that mentioned here today, I would like you to walk away with this. That we need the root to get the fruit. We need the root to get the fruit. What am I saying when I say that? I'm talking about being rooted in biblical community. I'm talking about being rooted so that you will be able to endure uh, the sufferings of life. So that when that wind comes, somebody that you know gets sick, somebody you know passes away, you're not going to be blown away by that. Because you are going to have deep spiritual roots in the body of Christ. And you're going to grow in your knowledge of Jesus. And you're going to know what it's like to have brothers and sisters that care about you so much that sometimes it might involve admonishment, confronting. Sometimes it involves instructing and teaching. But what's going to inevitably take place is you're going to grow. And you're going to look back and be like, look how far I came. And, 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 and we don't boast about ourselves, but we say, look how amazing God is. Look how gracious our Heavenly Father is that he would allow us to be a part of this body the body of Christ, and to have an opportunity to to build it up, to help take people where they can't take themselves, and to show them how good God is and how amazing this gospel good news is. And we get to be a part of that. It's pretty exciting. And so we need the root to get the fruit. I want to share with you a a passage from Romans chapter 12. And this is really kind of the, the heartbeat behind the Christian life. And Paul knew this well. Paul shares this with us. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I love how he mentions this idea of offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. I was talking to a friend, and, and he was mentioning, you know, it's, it's great that we have a place in the body of Christ, and it's awesome that we have an opportunity to build up the body, but think about our own physical bodies. It's about what we do within this earthly tent that will make all the difference in the world. How every day, in our minds and in our hearts, we think, how can I obtain that perfect foul shot? a pure foul shot? How can I bring the gospel to other people in my sphere of influence? And how can I allow that to affect what happens in the, di- in, in the dining room uh, table? Or what happens in the living room with the family? How that affects uh, your, your children and your spouse and your marriage? And how that can bring, bring uh, the gospel to put skin on that in that way? Being rooted and in, in obtaining that kind of fruit that's what spiritual growth looks like at its finest. 
And Paul knew that well. And so that's my hope for you. And I just want to kind of cast some vision for this and help us to imagine, like, what could this look like in your life if you took that next step and maybe got involved in a life group? Imagine the, the growth that you would experience in your life. And imagine if you went and opened up, shared your story with other people, what that could do for them. And, and, and going there and uh, experiencing the grace of God and the truth of God. Imagine what that could look like. Imagine what that could look like for you if you started serving and volunteering, getting involved in ministries here at Grace Church. You know, because the truth is we, we do need you. We need you. I'm not going to lie. But we want you to be utilized in the way that God has wired you in the way that you would best fit, in the role that would help you edify and build up Jesus' church. What could that look like in your life? Imagine uh, how this could affect the community of Medina, to be a redemptive community of, of what the Bible says we're called to be salt and light, and to, to be a healing, redemptive community, to bring healing and to help a world that's in constant decay. What could that look like in our lives? I think it's something worth pondering. I want to ask the band to come up, and as they get settled in, I just want to pray for us and uh, just kind of ask God to search our hearts and to see if uh, we can be more open to this possibility that, that God wants to work in us, uh, work things into us and, and work things out of us and to help us grow and to conform into the image of his son Jesus. So let me pray for us. Well, God, I just want to say thank you uh, for... Again, every person in this room, God, and uh, Lord, I know that uh, church involvement, a lot of times, God, I can look a lot like a, a granny shot. It's kind of foolish to um, a watching world, God, but in that same breath, you know, it's, it's the granny shot that never misses, God. Uh, Jesus, you said, you promised that, that you're going to build your church, and not even the gates of hell are going to be able to stand against it. So, Lord, I, I pray that that divine truth would just permeate into our hearts and throughout our life, God, in the living room, in the dining room, with our family, with our kids, with our spouses. I pray that it would permeate into our schools, God. I pray that it would uh, permeate into our life groups, God. I pray that uh, the person wrestling with taking that next step of getting into a life group and being rooted in biblical community, God, I pray that you would uh, that you would give them the confidence to do that, God, and that they would experience that life-giving grace and truth that you have to offer, Jesus. Lord, uh, we ask that you would uh, help us to grow, help us to look more like you. I pray this in, in your name, Jesus. Amen.